Welcome to the Denver United Church Sermon of the Week. Here's a message from Pastor Lucy Hume. Good morning, church. I am so excited to be here with you guys this morning. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Lucy, and I am the kids pastor here. I've been here about two years now in a few weeks, um, which is just, it's been an honor to be with your kids and For those of you who volunteered on my team, it's been an honor and privilege getting to know you. So I am excited to be here up on this stage this morning. I'm going to have so much fun. So if you are at home or for the parents who have kids who crawl on you like spiders and you're probably going to be watching this or listening to this later on in the week, just know I'm really thankful for you guys. We pray for you every single week and we are in your corner. Um, As you can see, this is not just my COVID-19 pounds. It's partly that, but (laughs) I'm also with child. Sorry, couldn't find a babysitter on this um, late of notice, Um, a womb sitter, if you will. So I've got my preaching buddy up here, and we're, I mean, my husband are very excited to be adding to our family come early December. So um, we are in an at the end of a series called Encounters with Jesus or Encountering Jesus. And I've loved, loved, loved this series partly because in this season, you just wonder, you know, what am I supposed to do? How do I handle this? There's so many overwhelming factors in our life right now, but the centering thing is Jesus. And the thing that we can always come back to is, Jesus, what did you do? How did you treat people? What did you say? And when we can come back to that centering, stabling factor of, Jesus, I just want to be like you, I think that's God's glory in the world. And so we are going to jump into today to John chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we'll have it up on the screen for you as well. And um, this encounter is Jesus healing a blind man. Oh, dang it. I'm sorry, Rob. I just, I gave it away. I gave the ending away to the message. Okay, um, anyways, John chapter 9, let me give you some uh, background to what's happening here. Um, We're only going to go over a few verses today, but I would really highly encourage you guys to study this throughout the week. It's an incredible encounter, and what Jesus does through this whole entire chapter is just astounding. It's not just one thing, it's multiple layers of him uncovering and revealing who he is. So John actually records seven miraculous signs throughout the book of John. And what's interesting is, is he uses a different word for miracle that Matthew, Mark, and Luke use. So they use a word called dunamis, which means power, And here we see John describing this encounter as a sign, which is a semean, a sign, which is used to authenticate, confirm, and reveal something. So the point of the story isn't necessarily the sign itself, but it's meant to point or to reveal something about who Jesus is. And I think that's just really, really cool. So I just want to talk to you guys about this sign today and just ask the Holy Spirit, ask Jesus to reveal to us 
God, what do you want to reveal about your character? What do you want to reveal to me about who you are in my life? So let's pray real quick and we'll jump in. Jesus, we thank you first and foremost for who you are. And we ask that you would reveal yourself to us in a new way. Amen. Okay, so John chapter 9, we're going to start off in verse 1 and 2. And this says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? So here we're going to stop there for a second. We just have... His whole crowd, Jesus' entourage, walking past this guy who's blind. They don't talk to the guy that we know of. They don't reference him, but they're, you know, talking to him, but they're talking about him. Have you ever been a person in the room where, like, clearly someone's talking about you, but you're right there? It's really awkward, right? (laughs) That's how I feel. Like, this blind man is like, hey, I'm here. I can't see, but I can hear you. Like, I'm right here. And it's interesting... Um, why the disciples are asking this either or question. It's not just, Jesus, why is this guy blind? But is he blind because of this or this? And it gives us an insight into kind of the Jewish belief system at the time, which I wanted to go into. It's really interesting. So they believed that God was very cause and effect. So if you do bad you get bad, bad things happen to you. If you do good, good things happen to you. So it was very um, like life according to living to God's righteous expectations, and then he'll bless you and answer your prayers. And um, there's an amazing book called With that our staff went through last year. I would highly recommend if you're looking for a book to just kind of grow in your life with Jesus. It's called With by Sky Jethani, and we're going to reference that a few times today. But in his book, he says that one of these ways of living in relation to God is underneath him or under his thumb. And I think that's what was happening here. That's how the disciples referenced their relation to Jesus. Jesus referenced their relationship to God was underneath him. And Sky says in his book, through our obedience, we put God into our debt and expect him to do our bidding in exchange for our worship and righteous behavior. So this really is this lethal mix of biblical morality, there's some truth to that, but also this pagan superstition that everything is connected to our personal choices. Like our personal sin has so much power in order for us to um, be cursed with blindness for the rest of our lives. And we see this in ancient times as a tool to understand these unpredictable forces. So famine, you know, it's because something was going wrong. Storms, in this case, sickness, it's always a result of personal sin. Whereas if there's favor or an abundant crop, oh, I must have done something right. I must have loved my kids. I must have only gotten upset with my wife three times this month, and therefore I got a job promotion. And um, 
It's kind of this way to appease the gods as we see this. It's through sacrifice and specific behaviors. In the pagan religions, you know, they'd make a sacrifice every night so that way the sun would rise the next day. And time and time again, even now, I think there's traces of that into our own belief about Jesus. And we kind of equate natural consequences with the divine. And really, they're two separate things. As we know, God's kingdom operates on a totally different scale than the earthly one. So for example, an earthly consequence is if I work out every day, I'm going to lose fat and gain muscle. That's obvious. If I eat five double cheeseburgers every day, this COVID-19 will turn into a COVID-190. That's an obvious consequence to my actions. But I think sometimes unspokenly, we add that into God's character. Like, man, if I tithe faithfully every single week, exactly 10%, I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to lose my job. And God will protect me. God's protection is a result of my actions and not because of his goodness or his character. Or if I get in an accident, a hit and run, it was totally no one's fault. Oh, I know it's because I sinned the other day. I know it's because I spoke harshly and I didn't ask for forgiveness. And we think that these, these consequences, these just things that happen in life are a result as a punishment of our own sin. And here, Jesus is kind of challenging that thought process, and he's about to flip it around completely. And I think I'm such like a type A personality. I like the formula. You know, I like the two plus two equals four. I like the, God, if I'm good, if I'm a good person, then I will live a good life. I like that equals thing. But what that is, is it's trying to control God's behavior, when really God's behavior is so much bigger and kinder and more gracious than we could ever expect or earn on our own. And so here the disciples are asking an either-or question. And the Pharisees, which we're not going to get into due to time, the Pharisees in here are also, this is a thought process of the Pharisees. And what Skye says in his book later on is, if blessing or calamity is the result of obeying God's rules, then keeping everyone in line becomes the paramount issue of religious leaders. So faith is then reduced to a dogmatism adherence to strict moral codes and the enforcement of boundaries and rules. And so that's kind of like a lot of words, but we see this time and time again in the Gospels that the Pharisees are more concerned with the boundaries, with the rules, with the behaviors of the people than the graciousness and the character of God. And so wholeheartedly, they're believing this reality, that God is so cause and effect. And so they're waiting for Jesus to answer this either-or question. And I imagine the blind man hearing this, being a third party to this encounter, 
is like, um, yeah, I've wondered that too. My whole life, I've sat on this street. I've done the same things every day. And I've asked myself, God, what sin did I commit to earn this? What sin did my parents commit to earn this? I can't, it must have been something I'm unaware of. How did I deserve this, God? My whole life has been a who and why question. And here Jesus comes in and astonishes them on all. In John 9, 3, it says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. And I'm sure the blind man is like, what? You mean this isn't punishment? I didn't, I didn't earn this? My parents and their messed up lives didn't pass this on to me? And you can feel this weight lifting and, and this shame and this questioning and this bitterness lifting off of this man. There's actually a third answer to this scenario. And the second part of that verse says, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And what this is saying to the disciples is that this blind man who was rejected, outcast by society from the day he was born has actually all this time been accepted by God and been loved by him. And has, God has wanted to use him for his glory. And so you see this shift starting to happen in this blind man and in the disciples. Their way of thinking and God's character is being revealed. So this sign that's about to happen is much more than just healing a blind man. But it's bringing spiritual light into some spiritual darkness through the natural light bringing brought to a man in darkness, which is just amazing. So I don't know if any of you guys have seen um, the Disney Plus, you know, uh, rendition of Hamilton that's come on live. I, it's been amazing. I've loved it. Um, the soundtrack plays in our house often. But there is this character in the play called King George. And he kind of just makes his debuts, comes on and off the stage. He's sort of like a comedic relief. But he sings this song about oppressing the Americans as um, the British king. And part of his song, which is absolutely hilarious, and my husband sings it often in the house, which is kind of morbid, but he sings, because when push comes to shove, I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. <laughs> and it's just such a funny line, but I think we view God a lot this way, as him being distant in a far-off land, and eventually something's going to happen in our lives to, that's horrible to remind us of his love. And God does not operate in that way at all. He, and then Jesus, he comes back in and he's taking a step. Like not only am I not punishing this man, not only am I just neutral towards him, not only has his sin not caused his blindness, but I want to use him. I accept him, but I want to use him as a conduit for my glory. 
I think sometimes with God and my own weakness, he's just annoyed at me. You know, it's like this thing of like, okay, I love you, but you're super annoying right now, like I do with my daughter. Like, I'll always love you, but like, can you play by yourself for three minutes without tugging on my leg? And, <laughs> and it's kind of like this passive, I have to love you type of thing, but not like, I really want to know you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to use you. I want to work with you. And that is what Jesus is saying here. And Paul, you talks about this later on in his letters of, man, I am going to boast in my weaknesses, in my circumstances that I didn't ask for, in the things that make me weak compared to other people's strengths, because that is when Christ is strong. That's when God's power is revealed in me. And so not only is weakness not a bad thing, but Jesus is saying it's actually my preferred pathway to show my power. So it's not just like this rubber tire on the side of a road that we have to swerve around, but it's this tall tower, this conductor of electricity of God's power that he wants to use. And when we start to see and view our weaknesses that way, they're less of a, I just have to get through this. This is just my lot in life. This is just what I, my thorn in my flesh And it's more of, no, Jesus, this is the pathway that you want to use for your glory, for you to reveal yourself to me, for your light to come into a dark place in my life and give me hope that this is part of your plan, that there's purpose in this. This isn't just my portion, my lot. And then Jesus says, We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work, but while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. And this is the point of his sign, is revealing that he is a light in the world. Obviously, his time on earth was short, and so is ours, revealing to us we need to make the most of the time that we have. Not time just waiting for things to get better, but time to hand things over to God and say, Jesus, how are, gonna, how are you going to use this for your glory? How is your power going to shine through in this instance? And light in the Greek here doesn't just mean physical light, but this manifestation of light, revealing that Jesus is a manifestation of God. He's actually the light of the world. So he confirms this truth in the natural. Then in John 9, 6 through 7, he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. First of all, mud and spit? Like, (laughs) I mean... He could have used anything, right? I mean, throughout scripture, we see God using a donkey, dry bones, super random stuff. And here he used mud and spit. And and I've always been like, you know, why? And I don't have time to get into it at all. But this is, again, Jesus showing who he is. He's breaking all these different Sabbath laws to confirm to the Pharisees, listen, I'm the light of the world. The law is not the light. I am the light. 
And um, Jesus could have healed him in any way he wanted to, but he did this specifically to show them, hey, I'm going to use unexpected things to make sure you can't formulize my grace and my miracles and my power. And I think we're kind of in that mud and spit era right now. You know, usually church is the thing where God's power is released. But now God's power is being released through your home, through your marriage, through your family, through the discipleship of groups, through you doing good in your community in a way like never before. It's this interesting, different way. But God says, listen, if I can use mud and spit, I can use social media. I'm not concerned that the churches are shut down because I can and will do anything for my glory. So Jesus sends a blind man on a journey. I mean, (laughs) like, I just feel bad for the guy. He's probably, you know, he has to walk out this healing. He might have tripped. He might have bumped into people. But eventually he makes it to the pool, washes, and can see. So my first observation here is that he partakes in his healing. And I think that is such a key to us of we're not just supposed to sit here and wait for things to go back to normal, you know? We're supposed to walk out, even if we feel blind. I wish someone would tell me how to open the kids' ministry. I feel blind back there, but I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to guide me as I walk on this path because I know his glory is gonna be revealed because it's not in my strength, it's by his strength. My blindness is a pathway for his glory to be seen. The second observation here is Jesus heals this man without this man asking him to, without this man ever seeing who Jesus is or even knowing his name. Man, the grace of God is huge. You know, we didn't, he didn't have to earn his way into being healed. Jesus just came into his life, showed up, and healed him. I mean, the grace of God is amazing. It's so big. And sometimes I think like, man, I, I have this grace and favor because I'm trying to do X, Y, Z right. And Jesus is like, no, my crucifixion covers that. My blood covers that. I was pursuing you before you even knew my name, before you even saw my face, before you even asked. I was working on your behalf. And if that is an encouragement to you this morning, man, I really, I just hope that it is. So I have this illusion to show you guys as I wrap up. There's this picture of this frog that I want to show you. Um, And this is kind of a representation, a crude representation, if you will, of how the disciples, of how the Pharisees, the Jewish people saw God at the time. Jesus came in to reveal his character, to reveal God's character, to change things around, and to reveal his light, to manifest God in a new way. So if we can go to that second picture, as you can see, it's, it changed just slightly. 
but it reveals something totally new in that picture. And I'm just such a visual person. I wanted to show you guys how I don't think our concept of God is wrong. I think sometimes Jesus wants to continue to grow and shape and mold and evolve our faith of who he is. And I think it's a good thing sometimes when our interpretation clashes with the reality of Jesus. That means we're still growing. That means we're still um, open to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding us into all truth. And so I think right now, obviously we're all in or have been handed circumstances that we didn't ask for that are completely out of our control. And I think it's totally human nature to ask why. Man, I feel for you parents out there who are trying to decide, do I homeschool my kids? Do I send them to school with a mask? How am I going to work? I mean, I think about people who've lost their jobs or on top of a pandemic, there's been serious trauma that's happened to you that you did not ask for. Or just the isolation is crippling. There's unfair treatment going on. I mean, there's a long list of things, of, of these blind factors in our life where we kind of just want to sit down and give up. And honestly, the question of why may never be answered in our life. But I want to give you hope this morning, and I hope that's what today's message does is infuse some fresh encouragement into you. I think what Jesus is telling this blind man through his actions are some things that we, I, really need to hear. First, for some of these things, what's happening in your life is not punishment because of what you've done. And for some of my very self-conscious friends, This isn't even your fault. You didn't do anything to earn this. Let that go. Next, Jesus accepts you in your current state. He's not waiting for you to get your life together. He's not waiting for you to be the perfect whatever you have in your head. He accepts you right where you are. And even more than that, he chose you as a conductor of his power. So what do we do? We walk in obedience, in trust, and it might feel like we don't know the way. And that's the point. He's sending us on this journey of trust to wash off some of that self-hatred, to wash off some of that guilt and that shame. And I'm not saying things are going to change overnight. Sometimes they do. But sometimes God's glory is revealed over time. And that's not any less powerful. So I think what's evident by this story is Jesus is the light. And I want to read from, uh, to you in closing. John 8, 12. This is a chapter before Jesus is in Jerusalem in this festival of lights. Picture 16 huge bowls filled with oil, all lit up as the festival of lights. And Jesus comes underneath him and he says this, I am the light of the world. 
If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Your circumstance is not your portion. Jesus is your portion. Let's pray. Jesus, would you light up our faith, our hope this morning? Would you remind us that our weaknesses are not the end, but it's the pathway to reveal your power and your glory? God, you can use mud and spit. Surely you can use us and our weaknesses. Father, we surrender and say, would you be our strength? God, may we boast in our weaknesses, not just waiting for them to get better, but waiting for Christ to be revealed in our situation. Be with my friends this morning. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged this week. For more information or to submit a prayer request, go to denverunited.com. 